Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So, last week, in our study, I made a comment that God was moving us out of our comfort zone. Do you remember that? I I said, hey, God is moving us out of our comfort zone, and I stressed, more importantly, how we like to comfort. That's why they call it a comfort zone. And and, uh, after that, later on that afternoon, I received a text from a brother that said, quote, Pastor, I have no comfort zone or walk. I'm just trying to make it through the day, end quote. Now, I really understand, and I understand and get where this brother's coming from. And please understand, I asked, I asked him for permission to use this. Why? Because sometimes life hits us super hard. It does. And it hits us in a lot of different areas, and there are times in our lives when we feel that we can only make it through the day. And I wish we could all be super Christians and walk around going, I am. But the reality in life is there are times when we go, are you kidding me? I can barely make it through each day. You go, Pastor, why do you share that? Now, the reason I share this is because in our story today, in the Word of God, we're going to study, discover, if you will, two people who most likely felt very much like you do. Very much like you do. Their thoughts, their Life could be very much like I have done all I can do and making it through today is about all I can accomplish. It's in the word of God. It's in the word of God. My encouragement to you is to remember that the Lord Jesus wants to minister to you right where you're at. And he knows, he knows and the one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to get in a place where we go, ah, ooh, I can barely make it. I can barely make it through the day. And then somebody judge you. Well, I, I don't understand that. You see, because I'm super Christian and I've got an S on my chest. And I read the Bible. And I've read the Bible 15 times in this month. And I can walk on water if I try real hard. And that's not reality. That's not Christianity. Christianity is you go, you know what? I understand. I understand. Now, before we jump into the text, remember, Matthew, Matthew, guys, is writing to a Jewish people, and he's simply portraying Jesus as king. Now, you need to understand, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all writing the same things, but from different perspectives. You understand that, right? So Matthew might have some stuff in here that he leaves out. If me and Paul, uh, since he's in the front row, if we saw the same accident, we're going to have two different views. 
And so you need to understand that. Now, I'm going to pull out from the other Gospels real quick, but Matthew is writing, and he's going to say, listen, Jewish people, Jesus is king. He's king. Mark, Luke, well, they're going to fill in a lot of the stories about what Matthew is teaching. But I want to remind you, so important, guys, Matthew's introduction, he wants to remember, and he's going to give us some key themes, okay? This is Matthew's writing. Number one, he is from the line of David. Jesus is from the line of David. You got to put on your Jewish mindset. Then he goes, now he's also Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then he says, but Matthew says, but he's also the new Moses. The new Moses in teaching and authority And he reminds them, just like Jesus came out of Egypt, passed through the waters of baptism, entered into the wilderness for 40 days, then Jesus goes up to the mountain to deliver his new teaching. So what does Matthew do? Well, later on after this, he says, okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember that I'm bringing Jesus, the kingdom, into reality, into the lives of his people, which is so important. Why? Because, listen, church, we want to come to church... And we want the word of God. But we, all, we don't just want, hey, I listened to a sermon, pastor was real funny, he acted silly, blah, 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 blah. He was real entertaining. I want the word of God because I know tomorrow I'm going to have a hard time. And I need the foundation of the word of God to get me through each day. And that's what Matt, he says, listen, I, I know. So what he does is he generates nine, he arranges nine stories about Jesus bringing God's kingdom into the lives of hurting people. Listen, listen. It's been said, as believers... Now, now we're all Christians, right? We're, we're, we're moving into discipleship. But it's been said that you are either right now in the midst of a trial, you're hurting, you're broken, you're sad, all of this stuff. You've just come out of a trial, or you're about to go into a trial. That's what it's been said. If I'm being honest, I don't like it. I don't wake up every morning going, oh boy, I can't wait to go into this trial. I can't wait to see what tribulation awaits me. If I ever happens, put me in somewhere, okay? Just lock me up and throw. But, but the point is, is it happens though. It happens because we're believers. And it happens because we take a stand for Jesus. So Matthew says, hey, I've got nine stories to help y'all. And I want to bring God's kingdom into the lives of hurting people. Now, here's my thought. You guys ready? First thought. We should be able to relate because we are or have been the same type of people. We go, yep, yep, yep. And then I think if Jesus did it back then, we should be able to have faith that he will do it again today. I mean, this, we should have that faith. Because the Bible tells me, guys, and jot this down, that my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was healing back then to bring glory to his name, why would he not do it today? So just a side note, I'm going to step right here. If you need healing today, pray. Ask the Lord. Yeah, Pastor, but you don't know what I've asked. And that's, keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep saying, God, please. 
please. The Apostle Paul, remember what he said. He said, Lord, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed to get this thorn off my side. Lord, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. And he says, but your grace is sufficient. Okay, Lord. So in these stories that Matthew writes about, they're all about um, people who are sick, people who have broken bodies. We talked about the demonic realm. And Jesus heals and saves them by acts of these grace, this grace and power. So remember, following Jesus is not pushing a button on a phone. It's a call to be his disciple. It's a call to be his disciple. Today's lesson is about two totally different people who needed a touch from Jesus, really needed a touch. And it's okay for you today to go, that's me. I I need a touch from God. So let me introduce you to the first person. The first person, this was a man who was a paralytic. He needed to be healed, but you understand he couldn't get to Jesus. He couldn't get to Jesus physically to get a touch from the master's hand. Could you imagine this man, you're hearing all the miracles, you're hearing about your friends, you're hearing about family, you're hearing about all of these people getting healed, and you can't go. And many of us have felt that way in our lives. Well, I know Jesus is doing it. It's just not for me. It's just not for me. And I bet if you were to ask this man, I mean, I mean, he, here's what we're going to learn. And this is going to be so key in your life. You go, why? We can conclude based on the text that this man had almost more than likely lost his faith. And he was simply just trying to make it through the day. How do you know? Because we know that he had great friends, some really great friends that would do whatever it took to bring him to Jesus. Okay? That's the story. You go, Ben, I've heard that before. Yeah, but but listen, chapter 9 doesn't record all of this, so what I have to do is I have to set the stage so you truly understand. Matthew doesn't give us all the details. Why? Because he's just going to say Jesus is king. Watch this. But Mark and Luke fill them in. So let me kind of just give you labor with me for just a moment. Okay, you got the mindset of the guy. Okay, paralytic. Can't get to Jesus. Been laying around. I mean... Guys, no muscle movement, nothing. I heard Jesus, I heard this man Jesus, and he could he could heal me. Yeah. Now, let me set the stage. Back in Jesus' day, okay? Okay, their houses, they were not like ours. Okay? They actually had places up on the roof where you could climb up. But they were, in your mind, picture a U-shaped house, a U-shaped house, and basically there's a courtyard in the middle. And in the courtyard, guys, they would put, they would, they would cover the courtyard, and they would use a lot of the clay bricks like you see in Arizona, where they put one brick over another, and they put some straw, and so, so they would cover this. Now, some of the houses wouldn't have that. It's a beautiful courtyard, but most of them would. Why? Because all the room doors faced inside, so if you were going to get together for dinner, everybody comes out of the room, and they meet here. They had beautiful courtyard, and this is kind of the house, 
Okay, and so you would come out of your room and you would see family and you would just enjoy and it was just really, really cool, really, really cool. Now, the, the clay tiles covering the courtyard, you guys obviously would keep out the rain so you could enjoy it all the time. Now, the house had a front door that was pretty large. So picture a U-shaped courtyard covered, beautiful, and the front door. Jesus is invited here. His fame has gone throughout all of Israel, you can imagine. And so he goes in, and he comes in, and many, everybody say many, many, of the people are following him. So much, so there is no room. There's no room. And it wasn't like the people were going, well, I wanted to go hear Jesus, but they didn't have soft chairs. They didn't have good lighting. They didn't have a great sound system. They said, it's Jesus. And so they packed the house. They packed the house so tight, guys. And I mean, think about this. If it was church, if it was this church, it would be all the way to the bookstore. Everybody in here just packed. People outside, I mean, I got to get here. I mean, that's what I would do. I'd grab my family. Let's go. We got to see Jesus. Even if we just heard him, there's been none like him. And then you couldn't get through the front door. Now, listen, if this church was super packed, every chair taken, people in the aisle, all over, I mean, we're, we're breaking fire laws. We would never do that. And then there was people all the way out the door, all the way sitting in the bookstore. How many would drive up and go, I'm not going to church there. There's no place to sit. It would be discouraging. But here they wanted to see Jesus. And if they, if I could just get in, if I could just see Jesus, he could heal me. He could heal me. He could heal me. Everybody understand? House is packed. Can't get through. Can't get through. Listen to Mark's account, guys. And it's up on the screen for you. Mark chapter 2, 3, he says, Then they came to him, to Jesus, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So they had broken through. They let him down on a bed which the paralytic was lying. That's Mark's idea. So you have four friends that say, we got to get you to Jesus. So they're carrying their bud. How you doing? Okay, watch out. Right. And they come and they go, oh, no. But Mark says, that didn't stop him. Mark says, all right, we got to get him to Jesus. Any ideas? Any ideas? We can go on the roof. Could you imagine the guy? Say, what? Uh, listen, I love you guys. Listen, you've been lifting weights. Because I'm pretty heavy. It's dead weight. You understand that. We're going to go on the roof? Yeah, we're going to take you on the roof. Uh, and then what? Drop me? No, no, we're going to peel the towels back, and we're going to let you down right in front of him. What? 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 Look at the way Mark says it, and then we'll make some comments. Mark says, Behold, the men brought him on a bed, the man who was paralyzed, whom sought to bring to lay before him. And when they could not find, what? How they might bring him in because of the crowd... They went up on the housetop and let him down through his bed, through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. Guys, can I, can I encourage you today? Listen, 
this man, this man had friends who were real friends. They took it upon themselves to bring this man to Jesus. Wherever he was, they carried him. I don't know how far it was, but I've been to Israel, okay? I've been to, I've been to, to the Sea of Galilee. It's not an easy walk. There's hills. So I don't know how far this guy's, but they, they're going to bring this guy. Now, you understand, they didn't push him in a wheelchair. They didn't have something. They had to carry him. Let's go. This guy had amazing friends. They had amazing friends. We should strive to be that kind of friend. We should strive to do whatever it takes to bring our, our friends to Jesus. We should do whatever it takes. You see, they were inconvenienced. They were taken out of the norm. You realize that if for some reason my Jesus didn't heal him, we had to bring him back. We did. I wonder how many times in bringing people to Jesus we feel inconvenienced. Well, they want to meet at 6.30. That's when I eat dinner. I'm a little inconvenienced. Do we not understand, church, listen to me, do we not understand how precious one soul is? One soul. It's precious to God. And so here they are, here they come. Now, if that wasn't enough, they come to church. Come on, we got this, bro. We got, you're okay, you're okay. You're doing all right, I'm doing. And then they see that they can't get in. Well, we tried, bro. You know, they don't do that. They don't do that. They look at the crowd and they're like, okay, what do we do? Holy huddle. All right, what do we do? I don't know. What do you think we do? I don't know. Well, hey, um, let's see. Well, maybe we could yell fire. No, don't. No, that's crazy. We can't do that. Um, I got an idea. Let's, let's put it down the roof. The roof, that's a good idea. Are you sure? You know? Yeah. We need to get you to Jesus. Amen. We believe that if we get you in front of Jesus, you're going to be healed. Yes. Boom. So they take him up to the roof. They take him up to the roof. And they put him. Now, listen. I love you guys, but... Um, if anybody's going to take me up on the roof, I want it to be Soph and some other guys. I know they're strong, okay? I mean, I don't want half weak side on one side, okay? <laughs> I don't want, we couldn't find anybody. It's just three of us. No, I'm good. I'm good. Well, come on now. Come on, somebody. Because I live this way all my life. I'm okay. No. And so they got this guy off the ground, up into the roof. Could you imagine? What are you going to do now? Let's take now, here's my point, okay? And then we'll get back into the minute. Here's my point. Um, let me point out some things about these men that's not in our text. You guys ready? If you're taking note and you're a fast writer, notice they had faith that Jesus would heal their friend. Yes, they did. They had faith. Amen. 
Do we have that faith? Do we have that faith? The second thing that I see is they did whatever was needed to bring their friend to Jesus. They did whatever. The third thing they see is they loved their friend enough not to drop him. I mean, that's good. Number four, I've learned this not in our text, is these are real friends who love like Jesus, if you will. So, so maybe in our lives, we're not bringing somebody who's a paralytic to the Lord physically. But maybe your labor of love is prayer. Pastor, I can't do much. No, you can pray. And your labor of love could be praying and praying and interceding and praying and praying and praying and praying. If it's inconvenient, you're still praying. You're still praying because you love and you're a real friend and you're going to keep on praying. But there's more. Let's jump into our gospel, guys. I've entitled this message, Your Life's Not Over. Take a look at it. Matthew chapter 9, 1 and 2 says, And he got in a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. So you guys understand, he left where the Gadarenes was, the demon-possessed man. He comes back to Capernaum, and it says, Then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. Notice, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Okay? Now, we have to do some work here. Why? Because at first read, we're like, amen, Jesus! But you know the story. Okay, you ready? Okay, where's Jesus? I mean, could you imagine being in the Bible study and the, and the, and the roof opens up? There's dirt and stuff. What are, you, what are you doing? Listen, if I was the owner of the house, I'd be like, what's going on? And they start to lower this dude, and you're like... What? Here he comes. Here he comes. And Jesus sees him. All right, halfway there. And he says, now, remember, remember, what does he say? He says something very interesting. If you're not afraid to write in your Bibles, check this out. He looks at the men, not the men, the men. And he says to them, when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, why? I think this is so important. You say, because he doesn't notice the man's faith. He says, when I saw their faith. You go, why is that important, guys? Because could we agree that most likely the man, the paralytic, was tired and frustrated with life, and it had gotten so rough that he might have even lost his faith? Come on, somebody. I've been that man before, not physically, but I've been that man where I go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I'm, and I've told the Lord, maybe you'll do it, but I don't think you'll do it for me. Oh, woe is me. And I didn't have the faith. It wasn't that God couldn't do it and God can do anything, but there were times in my life that is, I have been so frustrated and so tired and so beaten and I'm battle weary going back and forth that sometimes I'm like, I can barely make it through the day. I'm barely making it through the day. Are you kidding me? Now, please don't understand me. The text doesn't say that. But Jesus is going to heal a man whose faith wasn't even observed. 
Okay? So it doesn't say that this man didn't have faith. It's just not observed. Do you understand that? It was the faith of his friends. Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a twist in the plot. They lower him carefully, and Jesus said, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Now, you got to understand, okay? I want you to feel the weight of this right here. You feel the weight. What do you mean? The man desperately wants to walk. He wants to live. He wants to enjoy life. And if you've lived like this for a long time, and after all the efforts, Jesus says to you, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven, I could almost hear a scratch. Are you serious? Lord. And I could bet the man looked at him and the wind was taken out of his sails right there. He comes down. It's Jesus. It's him. It's really him. Son, be of good ear sense. Okay. And I imagine what he's thinking. Jesus, I love that my sins are forgiven. But what about walking? What about walking? Come on, somebody, this is going to hit home. Why? Because it's the same thing like us. The Lord has told us 2,000 years ago, he died for your sins. He says your sins are forgiven. And how many of us are frustrated today because we don't see the physical? Hey, bro, your sins are forgiven. I know that! But I need, and I want, and I... And me, and I'm going, yeah. Jesus, thank you, thank you. And we do that, guys. Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. But what about what I prayed for? Well, what about what I prayed for? And this man desperately wants to walk. Now, because we're Calvary Chapel and we give you the whole counsel of God, that statement, your sins are forgiven, let me just interject this real quick because um, uh, many of the texts say that, that this indicated that the man's sickness was a direct result of sin. You guys remember the Jewish people thought that if they were, they were uh, paralyzed or whatever, it had, a direct, had directly to do with sin. Re- you guys remember when they came to, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, who sinned? The man who was born blind. Was it him? or her? And they really believed that. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 9, verse 2 and 3, it says, the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he is born blind? Notice what Jesus said, neither this man or his parents sinned, but, the works, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Man. Now, that's why. If you were in the room and all of a sudden right here, this guy comes and your sins be forgiven, you'd be like, there's a, couple, you're, there's a couple things going on in your head. There's a lot of things going on in your head. Now, some of you might go, I wonder who sinned. I wonder what he did. Was it him or his parents? And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. You, you understand, that's, that's not it. But notice the reaction. Notice the reaction. And I, and I want you to put yourself in a place, Okay. Their reaction is found in verse 3 in Matthew. At once, notice, and at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. Do you see that? That's the reaction. That's the reaction. Sometimes 
we are so caught up in rules that we miss the miracle. The scribes didn't go, wow, that was incredible. It doesn't matter what happened. That was amazing faith that you would get up, drag this guy up on the roof, let him down before Jesus. You believe that? Whoo! I got to write this down. You know what they said? That ain't cool. This guy's a blasphemer. This guy's a blasphemer. Now, now listen, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dogging, if you will, the rabbis. I mean, the, the scribes. Why? Because the rabbis at this time taught, and rightfully so, that only God could forgive sins. Okay? So many, if not all, would know this is either true of Jesus, that he's God, or he's blaspheming. You understand that? Okay? So they weren't going. So, so half the crowd is going, wow. The other half is going, oh, no, 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 no. Did you hear what he said? Nick, did you hear? He, he's blaspheming, man. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Only God can forgive sins. Now, let me give you a side note. I'm over here, okay? There are many people who go, Jesus was not God. He never claimed to be God. Right here, he just claimed to be God. Why? Because he's fully man and fully God. And it's when we put our faith and trust in him, guys, is when, when the Spirit of God births in our heart and he, and he transforms us and we become a born-again believer. That's the only. That's the only. So guess what? Verse 4, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your heart? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or arise and walk? And this guy's probably going, arise and walk, arise and walk, arise and walk, you know? That's probably what he's thinking. Let me give you some, let me just give you some insight, okay? How many of us know that Jesus can supernaturally read our thoughts? That's kind of a scary thing, is it not? Why? Because sometimes we don't say anything, but boy, we're thinking it. We're thinking it. The expression on our face is a lot. This isn't one of the cases, though. Why? Because, yes, Jesus could supernaturally read people's thoughts through, through the power of God. You got that, right? But he doesn't at this time, okay? You go, why? Because naturally, everybody in the room would know, growing up, that only Jesus could heal or forgive sins. You would know it. And so it was a natural, everybody's like, so he knew this is what everybody in the room would think. And so he goes, hey, um, um, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you, what would be easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? Well, what would be the answer to that, church? It would be easier to say your sins are forgiven. Why? Because nobody really knows. He could go, your sins are forgiven, you brother. And everybody's like, cool. How do we know for sure? We don't until we get to the other side, right? Hey, have you seen John? He's not here. Ooh, maybe his sins weren't forgiven. We don't know. You understand that. So Jesus is pointing out this, okay? Because it's not a visible evidence. But to say that you would have to be God and prove you are God in the flesh and watch what happens. Look at numbers, verse 6. 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, here's where it gets good, he says, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. That's a good place for a name, Joe. Why? But it's, but it's deeper than that. You guys understand. Okay? So he's sitting there like this going, okay, what's going to go down? Your sins are forgiven. Okay, thanks. And then he says, rise up and walk. And you know what he does? He gets up and walks. But what's very, what I find very interesting is you understand he has not used muscles all of his life. So when Jesus heals, he healed the muscle, he healed the memory, he healed everything in there to where he didn't go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. He just got up, boom, let's go. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did, guys, and that's what he could do for us. Sometimes we think healing and, and healing for our emotions and spiritual healing and healing for all of our issues we have is, oh, it's going to take time. Sometimes God can just go, boom, and he could heal us. Well, only if you just believe. Well, this guy didn't have much faith. He's laying there going, I don't know if this is going to go down or not. But his friend believed. His friend believed. So now everyone in the room knows that Jesus is God. And he told the man, rise up and walk. Now, here's what I love. It was the faith of his friends that brought him to Jesus. And in result, this man wasn't over. It was just beginning. You see, I find that so important. Why? Because today, your faith, you may not have any. You might say, Pastor, I don't have a comfort zone or walk. I just make it through the day. But your your life's not over. It's just beginning. And maybe you go, well, I don't have the faith. No, but your friends have the faith for you. And constantly through text or calls or Bible study, they're going to bring you to Jesus. They're going to bring you to Jesus. How many of us had needed Jesus in that moment and somebody brought us to the Lord? And I don't mean salvation. You're saved. You're just trying to get through. I'm talking brought us and go, oh, yes, I needed this. I needed this. Look at verse 8. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. Who'd they glorify? Who'd they glorify? How important is that for us? Everything we do, everything we are should bring glory to God. All we are, I don't know if you know this, but you're a giant reflector. When God does something amazing in your life and through you, you just reflect it back to him. Oh, praise God. Is that not the truth? We have great musicians. You know, we have great speakers. And all it is is a reflection. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor... That was an amazing sermon. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Why? Because my God throughout the week, throughout the day, through every little thing is, is, is putting stuff in place and, 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 and then he brings it together. You understand? You understand? So here's my point. Maybe you're here today and you have no faith. You're just beat. You had faith and now you're just beat. Listen. Get around friends that are going to bring you to Jesus. Let them intercede for you. What does that mean? Call them up. Say, pray for me. 
pray for me. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Well, what's the matter? Oh, you know, no, just, hey, listen, I just, I just need prayer. I just need prayer. Sometimes your pastor, his faith is wanting. He needs prayer. He needs prayer. Those are friends I want. Friends that are praying for me. Because sometimes their faith is going to help me. That was the first person. Imagine that. His whole life changed. He's, he's, man, he's probably jumping and praising God and telling everybody in the world, are you kidding me? Oh, wait, isn't that the dude that was, wow, check it out. Yeah, what happened, Jesus? Jesus. Well, tell me what happened. Well, first he forgave my sins, and then he healed me. And he healed me. Let me ask you a question. What good is physical healing if your sins aren't forgiven? We only last, what, a few more years? Why, is, why do I say that? Why is that important, church? I'll tell you why. Listen. Because Jesus didn't heal everybody. There were other people in Israel that were paralytics. But he forgives everybody's sin that comes to him. And there are people who go into eternity. One of my, one of my best friend's brothers growing up with, um, his name was, well, we called him Junior, and he was born with cerebral palsy. And uh, a year ago, I did his funeral. But he never walked. He could barely talk. But he, he lived to be 65. But his sins were forgiven. And he's walking now. And he's running now. Right? So the point is, the point is, is that we need to seek the spiritual first. That's why it's so important we're saved. And if God chooses to heal us physically, then we go, amen, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Let me introduce you to the second person. That's a tax collector. Totally different. Totally different from... The paralytic. Why? Do you realize that the tax collector, I mean, guys, people hated the tax collectors. Hated. These guys worked for Rome. And the Jewish people hated these tax collectors. And you go, well, why would they hate them? They're just people too. Because you guys know this, they would overcharge the tax and pocket the rest. They're, they were awful. Okay. First of all, they they forsook Israel, the Jewish, and they said, "I'm going to work for Rome." And then, while they're working for Rome, they would see Paul and Lisa coming and go, "Hey guys, how you doing today? What you got there?" Well, we just went we just went for groceries. We got this. Okay. Um, is that your card there? Yeah. And then they would offer a bill and and say, "This is your tax." Now, Rome's going, hey, we'll charge you 10%, but I'm going to charge you 50% because you look like you're doing good. Look at the way Lisa's looking at me. She's like, man, I would hate you. That's exactly what would happen. Why are you taking ta- That's not. And so, and so I would go, okay, all right, all right. So, Nathalie, that's a nice jacket right there. Your tax is 40%. You see, he would begin to go and he'd begin, based on what you 
looked like and what you had and how many fish you caught. And they would pocket the rest. And, and, and the Jewish people, but, but not only that, they also funded, you guys ready? A massive Roman army. This is where the funds went to. And they funded a massive Roman army who would come into cities where your relatives lived. And the soldiers would rape the wives and the daughters and kill the sons and the husbands. So your neighbor across the street is a tax collector. And you know what he's doing. You're not inviting him over for dinner, are you? You're really angry. And this is exactly. And so think about it. This is the next guy. This is Matthew. This is Matthew. Matthew is not a liked fellow. But he was a man who felt like he was at the end of his rope because he went to work for Rome. Like all he could do was make it through the day and, and this was the best job I could get. You see, Matthew grew up a Jewish boy, a good Jewish boy. He knew all of the, he knew the Torah, he had everything, he was a good Jewish boy. But something happened by the time he was 12 to, to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and join Rome, I'm going to work for Rome, I know what they're doing, but I've got to somehow, oh, I've got to push that down, I've got to put, and, and I've just got to do this. And even though my fellow brothers and sisters hate me, this is what i got to do. And he is at his end of, he, he's basically at the end of his rope. And all he could do, you could say, guys, is he could just make it through the end of the day. And I wonder if he opened the tax booth early or closed it late so he didn't have to deal with people. He couldn't go to Market Street or Walmart or anything else. Can you? There's Matthew. There's Matthew. Do you realize what? How many people would? Do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize you got? Matthew's like, look, listen, I'm just trying to what? Make it through the day. I'm trying to make it through the day. And I see that in this man. But here's what I love. Look at verse 9. As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, how dare you do that? Wait, no, that's not what my Bible says. And he said to him, He said, follow me, follow me. So he arose and he followed him. Come on, somebody, come on. I'm telling you right now, the two greatest words Matthew heard was follow me, follow me. For you see, I bet Matthew was tired, he was worn out, and the Holy Spirit of God had been prodding him for a while, and maybe he heard about this Jesus, and he told himself, man, if Jesus ever comes by here, I'm going to follow him. And here comes Jesus, and he says, listen, I'm not worried about what you have done. I'm not worried about what you are today. Follow me. Follow me. Now, come on. Y- y- y'all, are, y'all are amening, but I think about how, how humans really are and how we would say, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to follow it. Sometimes we can be really mean to people who don't believe the same as us right now. Well, the 
not Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, hey, follow me. Follow me. I love that Jesus goes and looks at Matthew and says, follow me. And I understand almost everyone hated tax collectors. It's remarkable to see how Jesus loves and calls Matthew. I love that. And I love the fact that whether you're watching online or you're here today, maybe you feel just like Matthew. And the Lord says, no, 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 I don't see you that way. I see you as Matthew, one of my disciples. Guys, that's key. That's key. That's key. That's key for us to look at people that way. Here's what I want you to do. As believers, start looking at people how Jesus would. Yeah, but they're not there yet. I know. Neither was Matthew. I see you as a godly man used by God. Well, I don't see it. I do. Because I based on Scripture. That wasn't Matthew. Can you imagine going home? Can you imagine going home to your wife? Guess what? Jesus called Matthew. Matthew! That's not going to last. Really, what is Matthew going to do? Steal all the funds? No, Judas has got that covered. Don't worry. You guys understand. That's how we are. This Matthew. How many of you were a Matthew before Jesus called you? How many of you were a Matthew? You're like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. See, Matthew's life is not over. It just started. It just started. It just started. Look at verse 10. And it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, what? Many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. If you're, if you're an underliner, that is the best verse to underline it because it wasn't now. Now, Jesus was so elite that he walked around and he said, only, only the elite come to eat with me. He goes, man, you know what? All the tax collectors started coming out. Matthew's eating with you. Can I get in on that? Come on, man. Come on. Come on. All the sinners, that's me. I'm a sinner. Let's go. You see, the acceptance of my God, for God so loved the world. He loved you so much. He says, come. But you don't know what I've done. I don't care. I want to forgive it. I want to heal you. Your your life is about to start. How many of you believers in here can testify your life really started when you got saved? Uh, The Bible says before that, you, you were dead. You were dead. And now you're like, man, my life has started. And you have no idea where it's going, but you know you're alive. You know you're alive. And you're just like, yes. Look at verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, oh, there are those guys. They said to his disciples, don't you just love that? They don't come and confront Jesus right away. And they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. And he tells them, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Wow. Wow, that's a great place. Amen. That's what Jesus did, guys. Now, if you were a Pharisee, you would be steamed. Because he just told you, go back and study what you've already studied. Because apparently you didn't get it. 
and your professor gave you an A, but you didn't get an A. Go back and learn what this means. Which is really sad. Why? Because it should have been the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those should have embraced Jesus because they had been studying the Old Testament, the, the Pentateuch, the Torah, and it all shows Jesus. And they should have been like, it's him. But what were they? Why does your teacher eat with that guy? Wow. Wow. Man, it reminds me of the story, right? The tax collector and the Pharisee go up to pray. And one of them's like, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like. I do this and I do that. You know, and, and, and so pious and so self-righteous. And the tax collector just beat his bread and said, Lord, have breast, just have mercy on me, God. I blew it every day. Which one of us, which one of us is, is a tax collector and which one of us is a Pharisee? Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. I'll let you sort it out, God, but I'm gonna, I want to love people back to life. I need mercy in my life. I need grace in my life. I need you, Jesus. Listen to me. If you're here today and you feel like life is just out of control and it's hard, Jesus shows us that he's the only way. Get close to the Lord. Get close to the Lord. The problem is, is that not everybody agrees with this. See, the religious guys are like, I can't believe this. Why are you reading that? And Jesus sets them straight. He says, listen to me, listen. We don't really go to a doctor when we're, when we're, when we're well, only when we're sick. And he says that. As a matter of fact, why don't you go read the scripture again and see what this means? <laughs> No wonder they wanted to kill him, man. Matthew, the paralytic, these are guys that go, life is hard. And Jesus goes, I know. Come on. For one of them, he wanted to walk. And eventually the Lord said, rise and walk. The other one just needed a fresh start. So no matter where you are, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, only Jesus, your life will be changed. Now, we're going to close, okay? We're going to close. Because Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us that Matthew, after he converted Ethiopia and all of Egypt... Hyrcanius, the king, sent someone to kill Matthew with a spear. So, so he's a martyr. Oh, you guys got real quiet. Everybody wants to be a disciple until we realize, oh, wait a minute. That means spiritual warfare. That means certain death. Hmm. Listen, church, listen to me. God is calling you to be a world changer. And he's calling you to change your world. 
with two simple words. He says, follow me. Our lives are not over. They're not over. Despite what's going on right now, despite what's happening, it's not over. We have hope in Jesus. We have hope in Jesus. Let me ask you this. Imagine with me for just a second what your life would be if you were sold out for the Lord. Imagine what your life would be. When we're willing to leave things that we thought we would miss, God can restore relationships. He can move on our behalf. He can set us free. He's calling us to change the world. How? With two simple words. When he says, follow me. Who? Jesus. We don't follow a church. We don't follow a denomination. We don't follow a pastor or a priest or a rabbi. We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. Church will let you down. Denomination will disappoint you. Pastors will definitely disappoint you. Priests, rabbis, all of that stuff, they'll disappoint you. But Jesus will never disappoint you. So what should I do? Number one, surround yourself with friends with the same faith as yours. So when you get a little bit down, they can lift you up. They can lift you up. When God puts somebody in your heart to text, just say, I'm praying for you. It doesn't have to be all weird. Why? What do you hear? I didn't hear anything. I'm just praying for you. Just surround yourself with friends like that. We need friends like that. Because there might be a time when I need somebody to carry me to Jesus. And I pray it would be you. And in the same way, I hope there would, if there's a time that I need to carry you to Jesus, that we would carry you to Jesus. And last of all, guys, if you're like Matthew and you're going, man, I just need a fresh start. Today's the day. You just need to open up your heart and say, God, today I want a fresh start. I just need a fresh start. I believe you died for me. I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life today. You may have walked with Jesus for a while. You may have not. You may have... Um, I don't know where you are, but God does. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to join his family. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your grace today. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, you are amazing and wonderful. And I thank you that, Lord, our life's not over, but just starting. And so I pray right now, Lord, that there are many watching and those who will eventually listen to this via podcast, Lord, and, and Lord, hopefully someday on the radio. Lord, thank you that one day, that that there were days that I was Matthew. Lord, there were days that I was just like the paralytic, and you came and saved me, and you healed me, and you started my life over. But God, today, through the sound of my voice, there may be somebody here that just says, "Um, I'm ready to surrender to to the God that you're talking about. I don't know him. I know a lot about him. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Listen, with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, you were saying some things today. You were talking about some stuff. And it made me realize one thing. I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship like that. I mean, I know about him. I know some Bible stories, and I go to church, but I don't know Jesus. But today, I want to know Jesus. Here's my problem, Ben. 
I feel like I'm oceans away from God, like, like he doesn't even know I exist. Let me tell you that if you feel like that today, let me say you're, you're not all, you may feel like you're miles away from him, but you're one decision to come back to him. But you have to make the choice. You have to say yes to him. Well, what do I have to do? Well, here's what I love about God. He followed you all the way to church. He's been knocking on your heart all service. And now he's just asking you to make a commitment. Well, what do I have to do, Pastor? What do I have to do? I don't. Listen, all you have to do in a moment is just lift up your hand. Just raise your hand and say, I want Jesus into my life. You're not going to understand everything about Christianity, but you've got to take that first step of believing in him. Well, why do I have to raise my hand? Wouldn't people see me? No, nobody's going to see you. Their eyes are closed, their heads are bowed. I want God to see your heart. But this is a serious matter. Salvation is a serious matter. Your sins are forgiven, but you've got to appropriate that. You have to say yes to him. This is not something that I can talk you into or or anything else, because if I can talk you into it, somebody can talk you out of it. It has to be a work from God's Holy Spirit. You can feel it in your heart, and right now your heart is pounding. Boom, 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 boom. And you don't know what to do. And part of you is going, listen, when Pastor Ben gives that invitation, I'm going to lift my hand up right now. I'm going to. I need Jesus. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I'm ready to surrender to him. So without further ado, if you're here today and God was speaking to you throughout the message, you know it's his Holy Spirit, and you want to be right with him. You want your sins forgiven. you ready for a new start. I want to introduce you to Jesus. Because he says, if you believe in him, if you put your faith and trust in him, if you believe he died on the cross, he rose again, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, he says you'll be saved. But you first need to acknowledge, and then you need to confess and believe in your heart. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're ready to surrender to God, would you just lift up your hand right now, and I'll pray for you. God is going to be moving in your heart right now. Just lift up your hand and say, yes, I want Jesus. Would you do that right now if God is moving? God bless you, sister. I see you to my left. Anyone else? You're ready to make this commitment. Anyone else? You just need to lift up your hand. God will see you. I know, I know, I know it's a struggle. You're like, man, but, but what about my life? Listen, this will be the best step, I promise. If you are not right with God, just lift up your hand. Anybody else, real quick, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Father, I thank you for this precious sister that raised her hand. And I know that it's got to be a work of you. And so I pray for her right now. I pray that you would just begin to speak to her like never before. I would pray that you would bind the enemy from her life and bring her into a wonderful knowledge of you. And I pray for anyone else who who thought, man, I need to raise my hand, but I didn't. Would you just pray this prayer after me? Would you just mean it with all of your heart? Say something like this, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I acknowledge and, and know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you died and you were buried and you resurrected on the third day. I believe, Lord, that you're coming back. But, but while you're gone, I need help. And so I need your Holy Spirit to guide me. So I'm asking you to come into my heart, come into my life, take control, be the Lord. And I'm asking you to, to be my God. 
and to be my Savior. And Lord, would you be my friend? And I choose to follow you this day for forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, listen to me. By faith and and the authority of Scripture, the Lord came into your heart. The Lord forgave you of your sins, and you're on a new journey. And we want to help you with that journey. So would you just welcome our precious sister. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord just shine his face upon you this week. We have a great week coming up, guys. We're excited for Wednesday Bible study, Thursday men's outreach. We just love to get to know you, so don't run off. Operation Christmas Child is out the door. Grab that. And um, and just worship. Just worship. Bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.